How can you use the biology of triggers as a marker on your roadmap of life? We've all had that physical response feeling of butterflies in the stomach, redness in the face, heart pumping, tingling, anxiety. This is a big question. And today we bring you practical steps and information that support you in responding to these moments in life and using them to point you in the direction of your true authentic self, the self that you were before you felt the pain of that experience. You can use these triggers to get you to the root cause of what's keeping you stuck and repurpose the pain to propel you to where it is that you want to be. I'm Jennifer Hernandez, co-founder and executive director of ECLI Vibes, a nonprofit organization that provides support services to folks who have suffered abuse, violence, and other traumas. In providing these support services, our clients learn that it is possible for them to gain control over their lives, to live fully, and to thrive. Welcome to the Thoughts to Reality podcast. Fact. Psychological research shows that events that occur during heightened states of emotion are remembered more clearly and can be triggered by daily events. This means that they have the power to hold your attention. And why would our biology mean to harm us if its one job is to literally stay alive? Any event in your life that is charged with high emotion, a moment of great pain, grief, sadness, joy, happiness, inspiration, has the potential to propel you to greatness, whatever greatness means to you. And what I want you to know is that you have the power to choose to perceive any event in a way that benefits you and your life. This might seem uncomfortable to you right now. I mean, who chooses cancer or terrible acts of violence? You can't control these things from happening, but you do have a choice in how you want to perceive them. Will they propel you to greatness or will they anchor you to your pain and keep you stuck and suffering? You have the power to choose how you respond to these events. You have the power and authority over your own life to turn them around on themselves and take back what's yours. I want to welcome Laura Mullen, founder and president of the ECLI Vibes Survivor Advisory Board. Laura is also on staff at ECLI Vibes as our anti-human trafficking advocate. Laura's story is powerful. She's been an inspiration to so many who've experienced terrible events in their lives, things that no one should have ever experienced. She has firsthand how-to knowledge in taking the cards life handed her and making them into the hand that she wanted them to be. Laura's slogan is that she advises so that more survive. I'm honored to have been a part of Laura's journey, and I'm so thankful that she's here today sharing her experiences and knowledge with you all. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for having me. That's so exciting. Our second podcast, and Laura is our second guest, of course. Wouldn't want it any other way. All right, so Laura, can you give us a glimpse into how you grew up? What experiences shaped you from childhood into adulthood? Whatever you feel like sharing. Oh, sure. This question um, is tough because I just, when people ask me what your childhood um, look like, I just think of trauma, darkness, sadness, poverty, like it was all of that. You know, unfortunately, I don't remember like good memories, if there even was any. I mean, there was constant fighting. There was sexual abuse in the home. My stepfather was an alcoholic. My mom had 10 children, so we had no money. She um, wasn't a graduate of high school, so she had no education as far as for a career or anything. And we never had a car. So we struggled a lot. And you know, the, the di- many different personalities within my family, it was always something going on, some argument, some traumatic event was happening, um, literally every day, until I got to the point where I didn't have to be home that much, and that led me to the streets. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you didn't have a model of what 
uh, a successful future or positive outcomes were because you were constantly in fight or flight. Because right. you said every day there was an event, every day there was some sort of drama or trauma mm -hmm. that was happening. Right. So what is like one major experience, one major trauma or event in your life that you believe shaped a belief that you currently hold today and that you worked so hard to move away from into a different direction? I mean, the sexual abuse from my grandfather, you know, starting as young as 12 years old, and I definitely looked up to him before that, and he was the only male figure to actually look up to in my life. So I think that really took away any trust that I had, you know, and I didn't couldn't believe what anybody was saying or I was like you just got to that mentality that a lot of us people in the streets do have that I'm all about me and and that's it you know because so many people that hurt us around us and I think that really made me hard and darkens inside and I was freaking pissed yeah you had every right to be angry and pissed off and how old were you when that happened 12 you were 12 years old so you're thinking about you know your early adolescence when you're really figuring out who it is you are. Mm -hmm. You had that experience that, that shaped you mm -hmm. and made you believe that no one was really there for you, no one had your back, and you didn't know who you can trust. Right. Except for yourself. Right. Could you even trust yourself? I mean, I knew that all I had was me. I don't know if it was trust or what, but I just knew to listen to myself and just not anybody else around me. Okay, well, that's that's a good start. I mean, I feel like even as kids, like we know that we have some sort of authority or some sort of power, um, even if it's not really like honed in, yeah. right? So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the power that you had, the control that you had as that 12, 13-year-old and sort of what that propelled you um, over the next, you know, three, four years of your life and maybe how that escalated into the streets? Well, the things that I did have power over was who I was going to hang out with, what I was going to be doing, if I was going to go to school or not. And a lot of those things led to negative, negative people, me skipping school, um, me not coming home when I was supposed to and stuff like that. And doing things such as alcohol and weed and stuff at a young age, trying to escape what I was going through. I knew I had the choice to decide if I was going to do those things. And I chose to do just that. Yeah. Did you believe that you were worth more? You know, I always talk about uh, beliefs and how they shape where we end up in life. And if you believe that you're not worthy or you're not good enough, you make choices that fall in line with not being worthy, not being good enough, not finishing something, those sorts of things. Well, see, I always felt that we were at the bottom of the totem pole. Anyway, my family, and it was like that for years. So I didn't think that there was anything else. Like, you know, it wasn't until I got older and um, started realizing like, as an adult that you can actually break these cycles it doesn't have to keep happening and stuff and that is quite recently actually but however um you know my mom there was no role model so it was kind of like i was almost destined to just follow my mom's footsteps because who else do you what else do you do yeah that, that's exactly right and you know working here at ecli vibes you see that all the time 
You know, our destinies are shaped by other people's lives, their experiences, and what we have experienced through them, our parents, our schools, um, things that happen to us. So it's, it's a, how do we reclaim that power? How do we take that back, you know, and, and serve ourselves? Um, so Laura, could you tell us a little bit of um, maybe a moment or two in your life where you said, you know, you've had enough and you started choosing to make different moves? Um, it was probably when I was with um, Darius's father and, you know, um, there was a lot of domestic violence for a really long time and Darius had to call the cops on him and it would get really bad. So I he had left one time and I, he called like 11 days later and was like, I was ready to come home and I was like, you're not coming here. And that was one choice that I made. That was that's helped me shape where I am today. But that in between time was I was in the streets. I lost my house. My son. I lost my son for a bit. Like all these things happened. You know, I had built this life with this person and over fourteen years. Like everything, I threw it all away because I had to. Because I had to save myself. I couldn't put my son through what he was going through any longer. And so then there was the streets and then I was in the streets for six years and a lot of stuff happened in that time and I just grew tired and I didn't want to be on drugs and the drugs came from a back issue that I had from work and I was a nurse and then I hurt my back they gave me medicine and there goes the rest of the story everybody yeah. knows that story oh yeah so and I was out there for six years and then I got tired and I was like, I'm over it. And I started to slowly change my mindset, but didn't know how exactly I was going to get out of what I was in. How was I getting from under this rock, right? Because we have to hit rock bottom to really try to, you know, to to um, change, right? That's what they say, right, for us mm -hmm. addicts. And I was at the point where I'm in the streets, living behind the freaking, you know, fire department, where, yeah. wherever it was. Mm -hmm. And it was towards the 2018-ish um, where I started to not use as much. To me, that made sense. I had been yeah. in and out of rehabs, in and out of, you know, not, I can't say rehabs, but detoxes. I, I tried rehab like once and I was like, this isn't for me because I still wanted to do drugs, right? But I just didn't want to do as much, if that makes sense. You were on something. Right, right. You can't deny that. Right. So then, um, so that was the beginning of my breaking what I, you know, the, what I, mental anguish I was in to start to see that things can get better. And it was just taking some of those substances out of my life. Yeah, it sounds like you had enough. You were tired. You were sick and tired. You started incorporating small steps, it sounds like, which, you know, if you are somebody who knows about habits, that's how they all start. It's mm -hmm. in small steps. It's when, you know, people tend to fail very often because they try to incorporate all these huge changes in their lives. And not that that doesn't work for some folks, but it doesn't work for most folks. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like what you did is you started making small changes that were going to lead you to the next step and you would gain more confidence in, you know, getting one step closer, one step closer, and then you would add more and more and more. And it sounds like your son was sort of a catalyst for that as well. Right. Okay. So... Once you started moving out of that lifestyle, 
Um, can you tell us maybe a little bit about maybe some more drastic steps that you started taking to really start turning your life around? Um, you can, it can be about housing, it can be about, um, you know, the substance use, maybe how it really came to a halt, whatever you think that should be important. For well, I went here. to jail, so, I mean, there's that. Jail was the drastic step. Okay. No, but I think when I did become incarcerated was when I made the full mental um, changeover then, and I really was able to sit with myself and break down exactly how I was going to get out of the mess that I was in, like, fully. Like, I felt like I had a second chance and that I didn't have to go back to what, what I was doing. It was just how was I going to not go back to what I was doing? And that's where UCLI came in and played a big part in that. And, um, but, yeah, it was definitely beginning to change what was on the inside and um, just trying to get myself out of those dark places, learning more over that time that I sat there, I was able to learn this new person that I was mm -hmm. and all these things that I went through in the streets and kind of use them as ambition and motivation to keep me not from not going back to the streets. And um, speaking with ECLI and um, really um, shaping what that was going to look like when mm -hmm. I got out, and one of the major steps was, you know, going into the woman's residence, yeah. and which was super helpful. And um, I stayed there, and I made it, helped it work for me. Like, it works if you do what you got to do, right? And that's what I did. I just stayed focused and took took everything in that people told me, everything that ECLI was telling me, everything that the um, ladies over at Irish were telling me, and I learned from what they were saying and used it to shape where I was going to be when I got out, what I was going to do, who I am now, and where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it safe to say that going to jail was sort of a blessing in disguise? It, no, it definitely is 100%. Not only a blessing, but it was my safety net for a while because I didn't feel safe in so long. And I when I, I knew I was gonna be sick, but when I got there and I was like, I was like, all right, I'm safe. Like, I don't, I don't wow. have to survive tonight, I can just be. Yeah. Here. And that took all this load off of you, so you were able to sit and think strategize, plan, get to know who this person was without the drugs, with being able to feel safe for a little while. I mean, it, make, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you talked a little bit about how uh, you were planning when you were released where you were going to go, and that really played a part in, um, you know, at ECLI Vibes, we focus on providing community supports for folks who are re-entering after being incarcerated or leaving a domestic violence situation or a human trafficking situation. Um, how important are those supports to folks going through something like you were? Oh, super important because without having not just somebody to talk to, but having somebody that kind of you can call and say, listen, I need shoes because oftentimes people are getting out of jail and stuff and you don't have anything. Like I literally had nothing. And like, um, you know, uh, ECLI met me in the street and brought me a bag with boots and a coat and clothes and all the deodorant, which I didn't even have. Yeah. You know, all those things that 
or like, how am I going to get this stuff? And so many times without those things, it's so easy just to go back and feeling hopeless again, you know, and those things being provided to me and really gave, you know, I was like, right, I have a fighting chance at this. I have to order it and I have boots. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, but it's so true. It's, it's true. Real. I got out in January and I had flip flops on when I got arrested. So that's what I wore out of the jail. So it was like the next day when you guys met me with the boots, it was like, ah, you know. I've got but boots. It I'm seems going places. Right. <laughs> it seems so simple, yeah. but it really is important. Yeah. Just having your survival needs met. Yeah. I, I always say this, that truth is found in simplicity. Mm -hmm. And we constantly are overcomplicating ways to heal, ways to move forward, ways to concentrate. And it's the truth is in the simplicity of it. We just sort of have to take that step. And you had the boots to take the step. So um, I'm with you. I think the community supports are super important. It's why we do what we do at ECLI Vibes um, and why we strive to find other community partners that are you know, um, integral in helping us get more and more support to be able to touch farther into the community. Um, so. Let's talk about, um, I mean, you kind of mentioned this, or sort of the hardest part. Is there something that really sticks out to you as, as maybe the hardest part of this journey so far for you? Um, not doing drugs. Okay. <laughs> That's hard, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's scary because you they're everywhere, unfortunately. And yeah. it's like, especially when you're, I'm a changed person in the same environment that I was using it, mm -hmm. you know? So I know that it's so easy for me to drive up the block and yep. see somebody and that one conversation can ruin everything that mm -hmm. I've been pushing for, you know? And it's just like that. So I really every day have to work on my sobriety yeah. so that it doesn't ever go back that, to that. And um, that's what I've been doing and just um, staying focused. And that has been, um, you know, difficult because sure. you know that at any moment, like something can happen because you're, you're an addict. You're always an addict. Unfortunately, it's in you. Um, it's just your behaviors and stuff that change and your habits change, you know? Um, and also, I think a lot of it, a few other things, you know, just wishing that I could change everybody is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to help everybody that was out there with me, and it's like, I can't save everybody. So that's been difficult for me sure. to... Um, you know, when I see girls and guys that I was out there with still struggling and stuff or losing so many lives, and I just don't want that to happen and it sucks so that's been really difficult like I know I'm in sobriety and I'm out of the life and stuff but so many people don't get this chance yeah, yeah. so um sometimes I I stay I'm like I know I have some successes but like I'm so humble about it because I know that it can be taken at any moment mm -hmm. and so and I, I keep reminding myself of that you know because so all these girls that I know that aren't even here anymore, and it's really hard to keep losing people. Yeah, of course. I mean, what a testament to your strength, though, because you are living in a location where you know exactly where to get what you need if you wanted that, and but you also know where that's going to lead. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're constantly on a daily basis, it sounds like, being tested mm -hmm. in your sobriety. Um, but also, I just want to acknowledge, like, 
the testament of strength that you're showing to other girls that it is possible. Thank you. Because people, I mean, we need connection. Mm -hmm. And somebody going through what you went through, seeing what you were able to do and seeing how far you've come is what's going to change those people's lives. Mm -hmm. You don't have the power to to grab them and, and put them in your trunk and force them to you know change. But through what you're doing, you are changing them, whether you realize it or not now. So I'm Thank just, you. it's just amazing. Thank you. So um, what keeps you going today? Oh my gosh, just the, the bright future that I see forward now. When, remember I mentioned it was all dark before yeah. and now I see this like bright future. And I see my son thriving and I'm thriving and I love where I work and I love what I do. And I'm just, just excited about it all. What's coming next? And I'm putting my hands in every pot everywhere, just trying yes. to, you know, bring the hope whenever I can. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, I see it on a regular basis here. I get to, I get the pleasure to work with you, so I get to see it all the time. Um, it sounds like you have the clarity now to sort of visualize what your future looks like, and your future feels bright. So it's constantly, you know, gives you that push to keep moving forward. Right. Something that you didn't have before. It sounds like I didn't even think I had a future before. I don't even think I even thought about what I was like when they say, oh, what are you going to do when you grow up? I don't think I really ever thought about that. It's clear. Right. You can see it. Yes. You know it's like not that far away. Mm -hmm. I, I always said um, when I was younger, I used to have this vision of like being able to to touch everything. Like, um, and when I say everything, I mean like anything in the world, anything that I wanted. Like I knew it was, it was close, but I always felt like there was like this glass mm -hmm. between me and everything. Mm -hmm. And now in my life, I can see the glass is breaking. Mm -hmm. And that has been crazy to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally just need to reach, reach over. over now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm that close. Yeah. And what we do throughout our lives, I feel like is what gets you to like, you keep hammering away, you keep hammering away. And then all of a sudden it's like, light bulb right you know mm -hmm. so it's really cool I like the glass analogy though I, I, I remember the moment I was actually just talking to Molly about this the other day I was sitting with Betty in New York City it was late night uh, we were out for my husband's birthday and we were just looking at the New York City skyline and it was like at that moment I was like oh my gosh it's, it's happening. Exactly. It's happening. Mm -hmm. I have to talk to Fetty and see if she remembers mm -hmm. that night because I remember it so clear. Mm -hmm. So we'll wow. see. Uh, is there one thing that you want to share that might be helpful to someone going through what you've gone through? I mean, there's a couple things. So, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so number one thing is that when you feel like you're hopeless, remember there is hope. And another thing is that it doesn't have to last forever. And just to really keep pushing, keep trying to break it back less, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, because eventually it'll break. You just got to yeah. stick it out. I'm, I'm with you 100%. That glass will break. We're, we're, we're breaking it together. Yes. And we're going to keep breaking it together. And that is the point of talking to people so that they can jump on the bandwagon and we can take it down. Yes. So I'm with you 100%. Yes. All right, so what steps can you take to use your triggers as a roadmap in life? Become aware, taking inventory of what triggers you have. When you get that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach or a visceral react or 
or a visceral reaction to a situation, this is your moment to take note. Two, challenge yourself to explore why this triggers you. Some might be really obvious and others not so much. You'll have to dig deep and you'll have to keep it real with yourself. What core belief do you hold that perpetuates this trigger? Identify that, that's part of the work. Three, neutralize that negative belief or replace it with a positive one that reprograms your subconscious mind. This is the space in your mind where that belief lives. Four, stay consistent with exploring your triggers. Don't ruminate on them for too long though. Most importantly, don't expect complete clarity and aggressively accept that you deserve peace even without answers. If you wanna know more about removing negative or limiting beliefs, check out our last show where we talked about that exactly. I promise you it will get easier. It won't always be this difficult to identify and work through your triggers. This practice of becoming aware of what triggers you and shifting your beliefs associated to that trigger is allowing you to experience the now while simultaneously creating your future. Remember that your future is dictated by the choices you make in the now. So as you choose to grow in these areas, in the now moment, your future becomes brighter and brighter. The possibilities are endless, and that's how we break that glass. Good luck, now go get what's yours.